0: Hello and welcome to the Landscape Ontario podcast. I'm your host, Scott Barber, and I'm thrilled to get the chance to speak to some fantastic women this week. This episode was inspired by the Women in Horticulture Week that was earlier this month in June, and we heard a a whole bunch of amazing stories on social media about women with a passion for this profession and about the incredible impact they're making. So today, we'll be chatting with three accomplished women. First up, Jennifer Lemke. She is the Chief Operating Officer of Weedman. Then, it's Jackie Hart, who had a successful business, a landscape business, in the Muskoka area before transitioning into business coaching and uh, the peer-to-peer network at Landscape Ontario. And finally, last but not least, is Lexi Dearborn. She's a landscape designer who runs Dearborn Design Associates in the Barrie area. We're very excited to learn more about these amazing women. We hope you enjoy the episode. The Landscape Ontario podcast is sponsored by Dynascape Software. LO members save 15% on Dynascape products, software upgrades, and online training. Visit dynascape.com for details. So Jennifer, could you tell us a little bit about what drew you to landscape and horticulture? What drew you to this, uh, this profession?
1: Yeah, I think um, the story behind it is is an important story because I never thought in my wildest dreams that I would be uh, in this industry. To be honest, went to university in political science. My husband was uh, went to school in criminology. We met in university. And my dad uh, started his first Weedman franchise when I was 16 years old. And I, I've been around it clearly since, you know, through high school, through university, but really hadn't thought uh, much of it. So when I was done university, I went on to work at the University of Ottawa, my husband was uh, playing basketball and doing his thing. And I think that was an important pivotal time. I loved my job at the University of of Ottawa. Um, But I started to see my dad, you know, buying another franchise, then buying another franchise and starting to accumulate wealth. And started to think, wow, this is something that I'd like to do. And my husband had always, uh, both his family members were, sorry, his mom and dad were entrepreneurs um, and owned their own company. So he was very familiar with that. So it wasn't too scary of a jumping off point. And we were looking at really becoming one of the largest multi-unit franchisees at the time. Uh, So we were in Ottawa and the franchise in Ottawa came up for sale. And you know, my dad approached us and said, would this be something you would consider? So yeah, we thought this would be a great fit for us. Um, and we started in Ottawa in operations, did that for about six years. Uh, when we first acquired Ottawa, it was about $200,000 of uh, revenue. And then we uh, grew that to 2 million very quickly in the six years we left. And then the opportunity brought us to Toronto and we helped out uh, with that franchise within the year uh we had started uh we had bought the rights to weed Man in the us and my dad saw a fit there for me and that's kind of what my story was but quite honestly it wasn't something i aspired to it kind of fell into it and and love it uh absolutely love it love my job every single day that i i get to come to work so uh which is awesome
0: i think a lot uh of landscape of, of landscape Ontario members and and just folks in the landscape and horticulture profession generally can relate to that sort of entrepreneur entrepreneurial uh, drive and um, yeah. there's a love uh, and a passion for creating creating things and and uh, I think that's sort of a common thread uh, with so many of our uh, landscape Ontario members and it sounds like you had that that drive and you know what would you say it is about the horticulture part of it that appeals to you? Is there something in the, you know, the green, uh, the green profession that, uh, that yeah. really drives you as well?
1: Well, uh, that's a, a great question. Uh, one of the things my, my husband is, he takes care of as far as the business, all of the technical side. So Chris absolutely loves being outside, working with different products, um, you know, making grass green, that he's very, very passionate about that. I'm passionate about making change, marketing, administration, now being a part of other people's dreams of coming into the industry. That's where it really drives me every single day. Like I, I get to work with some really brilliant people across Canada and the United States And these are people that just embrace entrepreneurship. And that is why I love my job uh, so much. As far as the industry, the people that you meet, it's a very family-oriented industry. So, you know, you go to different uh, associations and you go to different shows and you're always running into people. A lot of times it's couples or it's father-son, father-daughter. So it's a great industry to just... Be a part of, uh, be part of the family. You know, I can remember when I first started uh, with Weedman and doing the franchising side of things sitting down at the kitchen table with a couple and the young kids running around the table and building a business plan with them and um you know showing them kind of the path on how to to be an entrepreneur and and make money in this industry and now some of those kids that were running around the table i'm maybe aging myself a little bit but now are running the the business so it's just such a cool industry that you know people are out there creating legacies with their businesses in an industry they clearly love, Uh, they get to create beautiful things, but not only they have something to pass on to the next uh, generation. So it's an industry that allows people to create a legacy. And I think that's why I love this industry so much.
0: Absolutely. I love that part too. I know before I uh, came to Landscape Ontario and before I uh, got into um, journalism and things like that, I worked in the industry and I worked for a husband-wife team where it was a you know a wife designer, husband installer, and just the passion for the business and building the business. It just it's a it's a very um, unique thing. Um, I don't know that all industries are like that, but horticulture, landscaping, it certainly has that again thread running through it. It makes it unique and it it really does speak to the the passion that uh, that people involved have for what they do Um, and just as the last thing Jennifer um, what would you do you have any advice for young women that are thinking about um, and I guess you work you probably work in your capacity at Weedman with um, young and not so young people that are looking to you know start their own business or looking to try to get into uh, the landscape and horticulture professions. What, do you, what would you tell them? Do you have any advice?
1: Yeah, I, uh, I would say look for a company with a good culture. Look for a company where there is advancement and there's no real ceiling, whatever you are. If you're a millennial, you're a woman, you're whatever that case may be, look at a company that has uh, people that you can identify with I, uh, you know, in my opinion, you want to have fun in life and you want to, you spend more time at work than you do at home. So you need to make sure that the, the fit is right. I feel that sometimes, and I, I, I work with young, um, ladies as well outside of the industry to kind of help guide them through different things. A lot of times people are looking for the home run and the home run is not necessarily there, um. Getting a company that has a good culture, whether it be small or, um, or or large, is I think the most important thing. And stop looking for that home run job and start with a company and grow within the company. More you're able to grow inside of a company, more you get to enjoy uh, your career. And 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 if it doesn't work out with that company, you can move on to another place and just take into account that everything you're doing now is you're learning for. What could be the rest of your life, and um, so that's what I would look for as a company with great culture. And I, I'd like to answer this question in another vein as well. Is sure. we have a lot of, um, like I said earlier, owners that have daughters or that have you know sons that are looking into it. And I'm going to talk specifically to the daughters out there. Um, you know, our industry is male, uh, predominantly male. And, um, but there are a lot of incredible women in our industry and more and more as we shine a light onto this, we have women that are speaking out and paving the path. And oftentimes women will shy away from an industry or won't get involved or won't look for promotions because there's nobody really showing them how to do that. So being involved with Landscape Ontario or NALP, um, they have organizations where women can find a home and don't ever be afraid. Um, You know, we've got a lot to bring to the table. And in fact, I tell male uh, companies you're missing out because we bring a different perspective to the table and allow that perspective to guide you through your career um, let's not shy away from it. Let's, let's bring our perspective to the table and let's be heard. So, um, that's something I'd like to just pass along to, to people.
0: I love it. That's fantastic. Thank you so much, uh, Jennifer. I appreciate your, uh, your insights here and, uh, I think we'll just leave it there. And, um, uh, again, thank you very much.
1: Thank you. It was great to talk to you, Scott. Have yourself a great day.
0: Next up is Jackie Hubbard. Can you tell me, Jackie, a little bit about what drew you to horticulture and the landscape professions?
2: Probably not what you'd expect me to answer when you ask me a question like that. But the, the main thing I started um, when I was in university, I needed a summer job and I wanted to work outside. And I had worked all through school and through high school. I'd had summer jobs at the cottage. And then when I went to university, my parents said, okay, time to get a real job. And so I thought, oh God, does it mean I have to work in an office and or something like that? So or a store or like that would have been horrible. So for me anyway, so I thought, where can I go and work outside? And I lived in the north end of Toronto at the time. And I thought, oh, I'll go to the place where my mom buys her plants. And so I went to Wheel and Cullen nurseries and I got a job there as a cashier and I was hooked. I learned every plant name. I just absolutely, I'd never thought of working with plants and I worked there for 10 years actually um, until I uh, left and moved up to Muskoka and worked for a garden center in Muskoka for a couple of years. And then they went bankrupt and I was without a job and I had customers calling and could you come and look after my gardens? I thought, well, sure, I could try that. And 25 years later I sold my landscape company for seven figures and now I do business coaching to the landscape industry.
0: Mm -hmm. Awesome, so you sort of fell into it uh, by accident. I know that it sounds similar to my experience, at least the first part, uh, was that, that uh, first summer job and just falling in love with it. For me, it was uh, in, in maintenance at a golf course and, and in maintenance with, uh, with some private companies. But just, yeah, for, for some people like us, it just the, it's like a bug, that, uh, the green bug that, uh, that bites. It's that love of being outside, it sounds like. So that's going to move into the next question, which is, and you touched on it a little bit, I think. What are some of the things you love about, uh, about horticulture in the landscape profession?
2: Um, what isn't there to love about it Um, it's it's your own built-in fitness program Um, but I think probably the best part for me was the legacy that you create when you design and create and install a landscape so you know I, I go by places that I planted 25 years ago and I look at the mature trees and I you know shading a home and I just think I did that like that you know, the the enjoyment that people get in the short term from the spaces that you create and install and maintain. Um, and then the legacy that you leave. And for me, a lot of all of my work was on the Muskoka Lakes, So it's all waterfront properties. And so I was one of the first up here to use only native plants and naturalizing plants. And so to know that not only was the work I was doing, creating beauty that people were enjoying outside, but you know, looking after erosion control and helping to filter stuff going before it got into the lake, and then supporting the the flora and fauna. Um, I think was just knowing that I was building habitat for bees and and other four legged critters as well, but um, mostly birds and bees. And so that what I love about the profession is anything goes like there's no box that you have to fit into to be a really, really good horticulturist or a really, really good landscaper. I look at my friends and professionals across the industry that I've known for, you know, their whole career as well. And I think about how, um, how different we all are and how we've all kind of gravitated to our own little niche and our own little corner of, of horticulture and of landscaping that, helps us to express who we are through the work that we do. Like I have a style of, of, um, of laying out plant material and a style of creating gardens that is really, you know, cottagey and, and kind of Monetish, like English country garden style. And I think everyone has their own style and everyone develops their own palette of plants that they like to work with the most. And some, you know, gravitate more toward the the soil science. Some gravitate more toward the bloom and the summer interest. Some like to make sure that there's lots of winter interest. Others take great pride in, in the attention to detail that they pay to a landscape to maintain it over the years. And so I think one of the things that I love about this as a profession is there's no two companies the same. Like now as a business coach and a business consultant, and I speak across Canada and I have clients across Canada and I've worked with through running the prosperity partners program for landscape Ontario, it's 15 years now, and I've worked with hundreds of businesses and there are no two businesses the same. So one of the one of the nicest things about this industry is it's up to your own creativity to build what, what suits you and what um, reflects who you are and um how you want to incorporate horticulture and your technical skills and your knowledge and your creativity into what we call a business. So, um, and there's so many different areas of focus to go into, you know, I started with retail and then I went into grounds management and then I went into business management. So it, it and, and design as well. So it, it, it just, there's, there's so much to offer and there's no box right? There's no box that you have to be stuffed into. So yes, certification's important. The mm-hmm. certification programs came along way later in my career. So I, as soon as they created the um, certified landscape professional or certified landscape manager, I think it's now called, um, I took the program right away. I was one of the first to go through the, I think actually Leanne Knutson and I were the first women um, CLPs in Canada that actually went through the whole, like studied it ourselves and, mm-hmm. and didn't do the blind exam tests. But right. uh, Leanne and I, I think were the first women to pass the CLP in Canada. And so the, the certification path is important. And the, I, I certainly in my years in my business had many, many apprentices and many young um, ambitious budding horticulturists and landscapers come my way who I put through the apprenticeship program as a sponsor. Mm -hmm. Um, And I think that's a really great way to find your way is to get that training and to do it while you're working for an employer whose culture really suits you uh, where you really feel like you're appreciated and valued and there's um, collaboration and and inclusion. Um, So feeling like you're a part of a team is a really important part. So I think that's, that's what I love about the profession. That's a long list, but there's a lot to love about it.
0: <laughs> I love it. You're right. That's where you started. There's some, what's not to love. And then, you know, yeah. probably talk for another hour, but uh, that was a really darn good uh, uh, summary, I think. Um, and with that, with that, and you touched on some of your uh, mentoring of, uh, of apprentices, and, and I'd like to ask you a little bit, and specifically with this lens uh, coming off of uh, Women in Horticulture Week, you know, what What would you tell and what have you told young women that are, you know, entering the profession or, or thinking about it? What do you tell them um, about uh, about it and, and why it's a good path or could be a good path for them?
2: Um, so, yeah, I, I have had lots of young women um, certainly come through my company and come through apprenticeship um, and also come and talk to me as a speaker at a conference as well. And I think the most important thing to remember is I think landscaping is one of the professions certainly has been, has become in my career is a profession where women are equally as accepted as men. Mm -hmm. And so that bias um, I don't think really exists, especially if you're in landscape grounds management and in design um, and in retail, I think there are many, many great women horticulturists and retail garden center managers and grounds management management companies, owners of grounds management companies. And there's some really great hard landscape women um, business owners as well. So I think for young women coming in, considering as a career, the opportunities are your, like they're endless. Like you, you, you don't have to climb up a corporate ladder to work in horticulture. You don't have to climb up the corporate ladder to become one of the best operations managers in, in a company with 50 crews. You, don't, you just have to learn how to do the, the technical part first, and then you need to learn leadership, and you need to learn how to help manage people and to help people find their path through their tenure at the company that you're working for. So I think it's, it's just so important to realize that the sky's the limit and you get to work outside and stay fit and get a tan. How much better is that? And you learn to budget your money because winter can be lean. So you have to be smart and you have to work hard. It's like you know farming. You got to make hay when the sun shines. Um, but it's exciting and it's exhilarating. And there's never a boring or dull moment because there's always new plants being hybridized. There's new there, there's something new in your palette every year and you're always going to walk through a landscape and go oh what's that I've never seen that before and so there's always something new and interesting to learn and handling plants for for your career what a gift like what, what a gift to have your hands in the soil and to be able to grow and nurture plants to support the bees and support the birds and, and to provide shade and provide beautiful outdoor spaces for people and families to enjoy like I don't know. It just doesn't get any better than that. So to young yeah. women who are considering a career in the green industry, I just say go for it.
0: What about the entrepreneurial side? Um, mm-hmm. you, uh, you, what would you tell somebody that's thinking about, you know, that's, that's thinking, I would really love to be my own boss and, and build my own company? Of course, there's big challenges to it and big rewards. Mm-hmm what do you say to people when they, when they ask you about what that experience was like and, and how they can make it uh, a, a success as an entrepreneur in this industry? Oh,
2: that's a big
0: There's a lot question. to that. I know. Can you give me the secret? <laughs> I'd love to know.
2: <laughs> well, there's no magic wand. Um, I can tell you that. And there's no shortcut either, but um, this week in particular, um, I will tip my hat to my longtime mentor, and good friend, John Paul Marsh, who passed away last week. And um, he, what he taught thousands of people in our industry, thousands of business owners wanting to make money, is how to recover overhead. Yeah. And so anyone to anyone that wants to start their own business, probably two pieces of advice. The first one is, it's harder than it looks. It's harder than your boss makes it look. If your boss makes it look really easy to run a business, they are really, really good at it. Um, and the second piece of advice is to make sure that if you don't know how to read a financial statement, a profit and loss statement, if you don't know how to manage numbers and you have no interest in learning, then you will always need to hire and pay someone well to do that for your business. You can't just go and sell a bunch of landscape services, hire some people to help you buy a truck or lease a truck and get some equipment and and a few tools and some materials and and make profit. So a lot of people start a business and they end up doing what I call buying themselves a job by running a company. So if you're you're the go-to if you're doing answering all the questions, if you're selling, if you're leading the crew um, and uh, if you're doing the banking and you're trying to send out the invoices and all that stuff, all off of your phone or your tablet. At that point in time, you're not really running a viable business because without you there wouldn't be a business. You're buying yourself a job by having a company. There's a big difference. And I think that the transition happens when you start to need to have a second crew mm-hmm. when you start to do so much work that people start coming to you and um, you can't keep up with it all so you need to hire more people and then you need to hire another supervisor and right. then it all starts to come off the rails really quickly. Right. Um, so you know I think I made every mistake you could possibly make starting a business because I knew nothing like don't get me wrong I didn't know how to run a business I didn't know how to make profit. I made every possible mistake I could have made my employees made way more money than I did in uh-huh. the first two or three years that I ran water, such landscaping. I, they did. So, but it wasn't until I found a mentor and mentors are wonderful. Um, and I hired a consultant. His name was John Paula Marsh, and he taught me how to price my work properly, how to understand my numbers, how to make a budget, And then I started making money and running a corporation. And it's not until you get to learn that systems are important and understanding your costs and how to price your work properly. You can't just go off of, well, I, you know, call a couple of the competitors and say, see how much they're charging? Oh, that's how much I'm going to charge. It doesn't work that way because their costs are different than yours. Like no two companies are the same. I trust me. No two companies are the same. So you can't build a company based on what someone else is doing. Mm -hmm. You have to know how to understand the numbers. Um, So there's the bad news. (laughs) The good news is if you run a successful company, the sky's the limit and you can do vertical integration. You can add services and add different products and you can, you know, you could employ a whole bunch of people that support a whole bunch of families and everybody's doing great work and enjoying it. And maybe you'd never get to that point because you got to learn the business side of it as well.
0: Yeah. In, in horticulture, sure. I mean, it's a, a lot of people go into it with a passion for, you know, installing or or maintaining or the plants and they may not have that business end. And I'm sure that goes for a whole variety of different uh, professions. Um, Mm -hmm. But uh, we certainly see it in horticulture um, and it's hard. It's, I mean, it's hard to run a business, but there are, um, you know, there are great mentors and there are great, um, you know, there is information out there. And hopefully um, groups like Landscape Ontario and the Peer Network, of course, that you're involved with are, are able to help people find those resources so they can take their passion for horticulture and make a, make a successful business out of it.
2: You know, Scott, that's that's a really great point. And I, I'm, I'm glad you mentioned that because becoming a, a member of Landscape Ontario was one of the most important turning points in my career. I did that at the same time that I worked with John Paula Marsh and I went to so many of the winter workshops. I, I was going down to Milton like every week, it seemed in the winter time. I learned so much from those programs and that's where I found another one of my mentors, Bob Tubby, um, who's a past president of LO now, mm-hmm. And um, he was a, an instructor in a business course, a three-day business course that I took. And I, I think the we're so lucky here in Ontario, when I speak across the country and I see the resources that are available to Landscape Ontario members here, um, we're so blessed to have such a strong and vibrant association with a great professional team like yourself and all of your colleagues at work. The, the What Landscape Ontario brings the support to young horticulturists and people in the industry wanting to do better, wanting to up-level and just get to their next best, whatever that is. Um, we're, we're really lucky to have the resources to have Congress and the conferences that go on and all the symposiums that happen throughout the year and the connection between apprenticeship and landscape Ontario and horticulture courses and programs. I just, it, you know what, we're really lucky to have the resources that we do to guide businesses to just do better. And sure. then we also have, um, wonderful software programs that have enabled so many companies to do so much better, and again, here in Ontario, we're so lucky that um, Greenius, and which is great for safety training, and LMN, Landscape Management Network, and Dynascape, which is a design and, and management pro- business management program, all three of those software companies started from people from Ontario, yeah. started yeah. from people you know, when I think of Mark Bradley, he started his business, the, the beach gardener, the same way I started mine Just a wheelbarrow and a pickup truck stuck underneath the back steps and, and off we went and did our best. And, and now, you know, Mark built TBG up to a huge corporation. And then now he's moved into the software development and has developed a, a, a tool led uh, LMN that's just so valuable to people starting businesses and running businesses of different sizes to be able to understand how to recover their overhead. So the resources that we have, and you know, for Greenius to do the, the the due diligence training and safety training to make that so streamlined and simple and recorded and tracked is just such a huge gift. Like the toolbox is so robust now for people starting businesses um, that are connected to Landscape Ontario and, and all of the resources and the membership. I just we are lucky. It's way easier in Ontario than to be successful than I think it is anywhere else on the planet.
0: <laughs> well, Jackie, it's uh, it's been really nice to chat with you. Um, you know, great to celebrate uh, Women in Horticulture Week. That was uh, just the other week. Um, you know, like you said, there's so many amazing women uh, in this in this profession across the across the board, and uh, and you're certainly one of them. And I appreciate your time to to chat a little bit about your uh, experience in the profession and uh, to share a little advice. So thank you so much.
2: Thanks Scott. You know what? It's a privilege to be asked. I, I am, um, I'll share a little something with you. I was paddling with a friend this morning and um, she said, so what's your afternoon look like? And I said, well, actually I've got this, you know, podcast recording with a, a guy from landscape Ontario. And, and it's about, you know, great women, in, great women in horticulture to celebrate women in horticulture week. And, And she she kind of looked across at me from her boat and she said, you're a great woman in horticulture. I said, apparently I am. (laughs) And she, she said, Oh, I'm just so flattered to know you. And anyway, but it's just, my point is that, um, I don't think of myself as, as a exceptionally great woman in the industry. I'm just me. And I ran my company and I had 30 employees and I ran it for 25 years and I made some money and I built up a great company with systems and I sold it for good money and now I'm a business coach and I'm busy and people come to me for advice and mentorship and I said it, it, I never thought of myself as a kind of an industry great but um, I'm flattered to be thought of that way thank you
0: sure thank you Jackie I'll talk to you again okay. soon
2: all right I take care
0: And now, last but not least, Lexi Dearborn of Dearborn Designs and Associates. So, Lexi, can you tell me about what drew you to the landscape and horticulture professions?
3: Um, For me, it was a childhood passion. Um, By the time I was about six years old, um, I was already putting pansies and petunias in the garden with my grandmother. So I always loved that hands in the dirt kind of of work. Um, I found great joy in that and then over the years when um, you know we had a vegetable garden or we had plants to plant even watering and fertilizing the grass was always for me very calming and I found it to be something I was very drawn to. However, um, when I decided to go to school, so my first time around, when I decided to go to college, uh, I was told by my family that this was not a career for women. Um, I was expected to be a lawyer or a secretary or a great wife and a fabulous mother. Um, And I remember very clearly my family saying to me, no man would ever marry a woman wearing work boots. That was very clearly stated to me. So instead of going to Niagara College and taking their horticultural program, which I desperately wanted to do, I ended up at Niagara College taking hotel and restaurant administration. So 30 years after I did my first um, set of, college courses, I decided at 39, I would join the Simcoe County Master Gardeners. Mm -hmm. And um, so through that process of starting their courses and honestly sitting in a room with people who were so wonderfully involved in horticulture and so passionate about gardening and getting that word out to people. And I'll be honest at 39, I was the youngest person in the room. Um, (laughs) really the youngest person in the room. Uh, I remember my first meeting, I came home and my husband said, how was it? I said, I uh, just uh, sat next to the gentleman who was two days younger than God. Um, So honestly, I I started that program and by the time I finished the three horticultural courses at the University of Guelph, um, I knew I was in my right place. I knew that this needed to be a career for me, not just something I did as a volunteer. So I actually continued the courses and graduated when I was uh, 45. I uh, walked across the stage um, after five years of study, um, longest internship, I think, that they've, or studying they've ever had at Guelph. But uh, uh, my children were there, which I was extremely proud of, and I've never looked back. Um, so for me, it was the draw from being a child and um, being that love of, of earth and watching things grow. Um, there's also a huge history there. Part of it was my grandmother, who um, was so involved in horticulture, right? So uh, part of it was her passion as well. And then the other piece is, I'll be honest, because people told me I couldn't do it, I did do it. <laughs> right so when somebody tells me no you can't do that um i say no i think i'm going to give it a try so now what draws me if you're because i'm going to kind of lead into the second question which you're going to ask me is why do i stay (laughs) um (laughs) it's the same thing right um i will be upfront and honest it is a tough industry to start into um As anyone will know, starting in design and project management, you have to prove yourself. I don't care um, what sex you are. You both have to prove yourself to be here. Um, It was a tough go for the first five years for me. I got um, bashed around a little Um, in the industry. I made a lot of mistakes uh, and I chose to learn from the people who had come before me. So I built a great network of of contractors and other designers and cool contractors and people that would just help me. And for me now, that drawing process, that ability to take a blank slate and turn it into something that is a usable space. And I think the one thing that I've become very passionate about is bringing families together. So we have a backyard that has nothing going on in it. And I can create something where everybody gets to come together in a space that has not just hardscaping and a pool. You know, maybe it's got a fire pit and fabulous flowers. It's a really pretty space, but it's functional and it welcomes families. So that's actually the drive that I have. Um, that keeps me here and keeps me going because it's been 20 years now. And it honestly keeps me, it, I always, I don't seem to run out of ideas, right? So as a designer, you wanna always have new ideas for a space.
0: Why, why do you think that uh, that spark stays lit? Um, yeah, I guess you sort of touched on some of that. You have a real passion for creating spaces that are not only going to get people and families outside, but it's going to help them connect. I mean, that's pretty, that's pretty amazing ability. What keeps the What keeps the uh, creative spark uh, lit for you?
3: Um, fall in love with the clients. It it for me. It I and I. It sounds way out there, but for me, it's the bond that I make with my clients when I meet them. Um, everyone has a story. I actually take the time to listen to that story um, and hear what's happening with them. And I ask those questions. So why are we building this space? What is it that you want to do here? Why is it so important to you that you spend this money to make this happen? And when I start hearing their stories, I start kind of falling in love with them. And I go, yeah, I wanna create something amazing for you. And so, I've always seen every single project as a brand new start. It's a, it's like I started 20 years ago. It's right. It's a brand new piece. We're opening up the books. It's, it's we've got a blank slate. It's just, it, it is the clients. It's like so
0: a new obviously, the, yeah, every time.
3: Yeah, and the other part is, if I can't connect with a client, then obviously I can't draw for them, and and maybe that's a little flu flu for some people. Um, it isn't for me. Um, when I turn a project over, when we've designed it, and uh, believe it or not, it's very personal for me when I design a space, because first of all, I wanna be able to live in it. But the second piece is when I turn it over, I have this moment when a client will say, as they're showing a friend or family, look what we made, look what we created, look what's been done. And I realize at that moment, it's no longer mine and it belongs to them. Mm-hmm. And I think that's a pretty cool piece of being a designer, right? All of a sudden, it's not mine. There's a little weepy moment where I kind of go, okay, so it's not mine. But uh, that is so important to me when i Client walks around and goes, "Wow, look at what we did!" Right, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and
0: that's
3: um, that's what keeps the spark alive, right? So yeah. maybe it's a little maybe it's a little hero syndrome, right? So I always look at it that way.
0: <laughs> it certainly sounds. <laughs> maybe
3: like there's a the little part of me that likes to be the hero of the story, right? Sure. Um, and and but upfront, and honest, it's it, it's still fun. And when mm-hmm. it's no longer fun, then I'm done.
0: And that would be the time. So hopefully, oh, that, it, hopefully it may never come. <laughs> I'm <laughs> that, not that, planning
3: not, on that happening. As that, I start to slow down, I'm not, planning on, I'm not planning on that happening. But I do recognize as I, uh, after 20 years, and as I'm starting to move into my 60s, I just don't draw as fast as I used to. Right. That's the one, right? Like instead of doing three a week, I can only do one a week. Mm-hmm.
0: so you mentioned before um you know when you were first looking at it even well before it became your uh, your career when you were you know coming out of high school and uh you know there was a sense and i'm sure a lot of people can relate to that that it it mm-hmm. wasn't a female profession do you think that that how far have we come is there still a lot of work to do Wh- where are we at in 2020
3: yeah, I, I I don't think that um, the word landscape designer comes up in any of the testing that you do in grade nine, and I put two kids through high school, uh, mm-hmm. so I know um, there's interior designer, but there is nothing on the testing sheets that come up and say, wow, you might like to be a landscape designer. Uh, I don't think it is something that's promoted. I think if you come out of a family that is in our industry, you're much more likely to join our industry. Sure. I still don't think it's promoted for women. Yeah,
0: why do you think that is, and and what do you think? I mean, these are big questions. What what can we do? <laughs> what can we do as a, as a trade association that, of course, you're you've been quite involved, involved with over the years? Yeah. Um, how do we put it on the radar? Um, make it a you know, a, a sought-after career path for, you know, young men and young women?
3: Absolutely. I I think it starts at the high school level. Um, I think it even actually starts in grade seven or eight. I've been out and um, have spoken to a number of schools. I think one of it is is just getting getting to people while they're making decisions and saying to people, this might be a very interesting career for you to look at so if we backtracked and got them before they were headed into grade 12 trying to make decisions then at least um students would start looking at those pieces it might simply be that landscape ontario and is 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 we get to get earlier right? we need to be earlier right rather than later so that and that people realize that this is a valued profession
0: yep.
3: because i don't know that people look at this as a valued profession and i think the second piece of that is parents i don't think that parents see this as a valued profession Mm -hmm. and i'll be honest with you when i look back over the years i remember showing my mom who knew i spent five years at university all these beautiful pictures of all of the landscapes i had done over the years And I remember her saying to me, well, who did this? And I said to her mom, I did it. And she would say to me, no, but really Lexi, who did this? So again, it's it's just shifting the mindset to get people to understand that this is a valued profession, that yes, you work 12 months of the year. It's not just something that you do for six months. And I think that needs to start earlier. Um, and I think it needs to go onto the testing page that that those kids are filling out in grade nine when they do their sure. career programs.
0: Yeah. Yeah, you're absolutely right. It needs to be on the radar right there um, alongside, you know, other uh, great professions, right when kids are in middle school and, and just even starting to pique interest about different uh, career paths. And then hopefully by the time they're ready to actually make decisions towards uh, college or apprenticeship or what have you it's been in their mind for a while i I really i'm hopeful that you know as the world is changing generations are changing um green infrastructure green spaces being outside um the value that plants have for the and trees have and grass has for the environment i'm i'm really hopeful that that environmental contribution is going to really grab the imagination of the generation that's, you know, coming now after me. But there's no question, even when I was, um, and I'm a am a, a later, later, millennial, when I was in high school and I was, I worked landscaping, uh, in the summers, you know, it, it didn't, it, you know, from my parents and from others, it wasn't really top of mind as like the career path of choice. And that's gotta Correct. change. And, it, and there's every reason for it to change because there are amazing careers that make a huge impact on people's lives and on the greater community, as I said, with the environmental impact that it has. So I, I there is hope there. We just, we really have to work hard as an industry to, you know, get that message out.
3: Yeah, and that, as I say to you, it's, um this isn't something, I'm gonna, up front, this isn't something that moms say to their, their daughters, hey, check this out. Right. It's, it's not... Right, like there's a there's a, an understanding when you're in this industry, you're working outside, you're working in the office, especially as a designer, you're in the office in the mm-hmm. morning and maybe you're on site in the afternoon. Um, you're not wearing your pretty makeup. You're going to live in work boots. Um, you, you know, you're talking to men and women. So there is a bit of maturity that goes with being a landscape designer is being able to understand people and understand what it is they need, and you have to read between the lines a little bit.
0: Mm-hmm.
3: Um, you do do. I will be as honest as a designer. There is some a um, uh, little bit of therapy that goes with it. Couple therapy. I bet that's <laughs> a landscape designer because he wants one thing, she wants another, or you know, and you have to say well, you can have this and you can have that, but you can't have that. And you can't have that. Um, so some negotiating. Yeah. It could
0: be therapeutic for them.
3: Yeah. <laughs> <It is. laughs> Putting a project together can be very uh, therapeutic. And I usually ask who's going to be the lead on a project. So I'm not answering. To you well. right. That's uh, great. right. Someone gets to go first. I get, I always said to them, I'm going to go first and you're going to be the, I always refer to my clients as the King and Queen. So I said, one of you needs to be the leader for your family, Who? which one of them is going to be. <laughs> So, um, it typically, I'll be honest, it's typically women. Yeah. So one great advantage to being a woman in this industry is 99.9% of the time I'm dealing with women while we're putting a project together.
0: That's interesting. Yeah. That's something I didn't know, but that's very interesting. I want to circle back as a last thing, um, and talk a little bit about, and I know you, I'm sure you, you've had, uh, know these conversations before what what do you tell um and again well under the under the lens of uh you know celebrating women in horticulture what do you tell young women or mid-career women that are looking at uh, horticulture what do you tell them are the are the benefits and what do you tell them are the challenges
3: so I, i always say go for it that is my first if if you have that drive and it's almost a pull that's the best way I can describe it to being in this industry and you're having that draw I always say go for it don't let anyone talk you out of doing this like it happened to me when I was 17 right Um, don't let someone discourage you from pursuing this as a career or this as a profession Um, and I always say there are some highs and there are some lows. Now, let's be realistic because there's great days in every job and yeah. not so great days in other jobs. So um, it's, it's, it is that way when it comes to design and when it comes to project managing and when it comes to horticulture, there's days things die and you go, oh my goodness, why did that happen? Um, but at the end of the day, I say to young women, particularly young women, um, if I can do this and start at 40, I wish i had had another 20 years. Mm-hmm. I wish I had done this when I was 20. I would, the, the pieces that I could have created, the, the, the challenges that I could have overcome in my first 10 years, which is really that huge learning curve in our industry. You only truly settle in after your first 10 years and feel extremely confident. I would have been so much further ahead. Um, I could have created some amazing projects. Yeah, there are some challenges. And the challenges, I have a lot of women say, well, what is it like working in an industry uh, with, that's ma- mainly male dominated? Um, and I will say 95% of the time, it's, an, it's a non-issue. Um, they are extremely supportive. I've learned more from gentlemen in our industry um, than I can ever tell you. It's just, it's just huge what they're willing to share. And there are some people, and it doesn't really matter whether they're male or female, there are some times when I I need someone to back me up um, just to get a, a message across and I need to get across. Um, and there are some people that Uh, don't respect women in our industry. And that is simply the same anywhere.
0: Yeah.
3: And that doesn't change. So I find it very difficult when women say, well, it's got to be, you're working with men all day. And I'm going, yes, I am. And you know what, it doesn't matter. It's the same day as if I was working in an office or working in a hospital you have good days and you have bad days and you have days that people can hear you and you have days that people can't hear you. And, um, that's, that is just the nature of choosing any profession.
1: Mm-hmm. So
3: don't let that be the piece that stops you from joining an amazing group of people. Um, and I, like I said, it it's, it's a, and honestly at the end of the day, if somebody doesn't like me, they don't like me. There's nothing I can do about it. Right. So yeah. And that's that, what you I say to people.
0: That's in every profession and uh you can't it let doesn't it
3: get, change.
0: You can't let it get away in your of your passion and your your drive to uh, to do what you love. And it sounds like um over the last twenty some years you've been able to do that very well.
3: Yeah, it's like I said, I mean it, it's it's it has its challenges Sundays and other days. I'm like, wow, that was pretty simple. <laughs> <laughs> but it's always, it's always keeping in mind. And I, so as a professional person who is basically spending someone's money, um, mm-hmm. I always keep in mind that it is a great honor that someone trusts me enough to spend their money with me. Mm-hmm. Because, uh, most of the time, uh, they're spending money much larger than buying a couch or a new refrigerator. So, I always remember to be humble and to say thank you, um, because at the end of the day, it is it, there's a great honor in spending somebody else's money on something that you see in your head. Right. And that's that is just the weirdest kind of concept to get past people or to get to people, right? Is this all evolves in my head, this all comes up in my head and then someone pays me to put it in the ground.
0: Mm-hmm.
3: That's so. It, that's, isn't that kind of a cool concept, right?
0: They go, right,
3: they go, okay, so we're going to give you a lot of money based on a piece of paper. I go, yes, you are. Um, so, I, like I said, I think um, I try to be humble. I try to be very honest with people. Um, and if you can build your business or build your career, your profession on that, um, I think you go a long ways. And um, so, as I said, I think this is a, an amazing, amazing opportunity for women to step into this profession. Um, and and support each other right just mm-hmm. offer support to each other fantastic
0: well, i think we'll leave it there um okay. it was so nice to chat with you as it always is and uh yeah uh, hope to talk to you again uh, very soon
3: sounds good you have a great afternoon and enjoy the sunshine
0: you as well Thanks for listening to the Landscape Ontario podcast. If you enjoyed the episode, we hope you'll subscribe wherever you get your podcasts to get new episodes every month. And if you have an idea for the show, please email me at scott at landscapeontario.com. Thanks for listening.